0: Hello and welcome to Fidelity Connects, a Fidelity Investments Canada podcast, connecting you to the world of investing and helping you stay ahead. One of the most common market questions being asked is have we reached the bottom? With yet another rate hike recently, one emerging view is that we may be getting closer to the end. So with this view in mind, what are the market expectations at this point in the cycle? What role do ETFs play and how should investors position their portfolios moving forward? ETF Capital Markets Director André Bruno joins us today to share insights on the latest market action, leadership in the ETF landscape, and thoughts on current and long-term portfolio construction. Additionally, with host Pamela Ritchie, André shares today that he believes as we get a little bit more clarity into the inflation story and what the Fed and the Bank of Canada are going to do, it is time to start looking at fixed income. André also notes that the upcoming earnings season is going to be very important for the equity outlook. Stay tuned for this and more. Today's podcast was recorded on September 23rd, 2022. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect those of Fidelity Investments Canada ULC or its affiliates. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be construed as investment, tax, or legal advice. It is not an offer to sell or buy or an endorsement, recommendation, or sponsorship of any entity or security cited. Read a fund's prospectus before investing. Funds are not guaranteed. Their values change frequently and past performance may not be repeated. Fees, expenses, and commissions are all associated with fund investments.
1: Welcome, Andre, great to speak with you.
2: Thank you for having me and thank you all for joining us.
1: Yeah, no, it's great to have you spending some time here with us. Um, actually, you know what I'm going to start with? Because the markets, uh, once we get into those, I feel like it, it's going to be one long conversation. Just tell us a little bit about your, your title. What, what does it mean? What, what do you do with your hours and days?
2: Yeah, so that's a great question. So, you know, overseeing kind of the ETF capital markets uh, side of the business here for the ETF space. So specifically what I look at and what what I take care of what my day-to-day is like. So I, I'm focusing on kind of you know, the primary and secondary markets in terms of our ETFs. And what does that mean? So, you know, we we take a look at and we monitor how our ETFs are trading in the market, ensuring there's ample liquidity, ensuring uh, bid offer spreads are staying within, uh, you know, reasonable margins. With regards to primary market activity, you know, if we think about ETFs um, and to contrast them with equities, so equities typically have kind of a stable shares outstanding. Obviously there's some secondary offerings and, and, and share buybacks. But generally speaking, equity markets, the equities are have a fixed shares outstanding. So in the ETF market, that's very different. So the amount of shares outstanding for ETFs are changing all the time. There's consistently being creations and redemptions from our market makers. So that process is overseen by my team. And we ensure that that, that process is smooth. Our market makers are getting everything they need in order to make markets in our ETFs and ensure that trading is very smooth in the secondary as well as the primary market.
1: Fantastic. Okay, it's great to just sort of put some context around the title itself. Um, You look across the markets right now, we can obviously see what's going on with equity markets. Yesterday was a massive move in bond markets, or it certainly got things kicking out of the Fed decision. Is there some reason to be quite actually optimistic on the fixed income side of things? What, What do you think?
2: So I think there's a couple of things to look at. So obviously, you know, we we had the Fed uh, move as we expected on uh, on Wednesday. There we had Powell speaking. You know, Chairman Powell didn't say anything too too out of the ordinary. But I think what was most interesting about kind of the Fed meeting is taking a look at those dot plots. So again, just just a yeah. refresher for everyone. Those dot plots are are what each kind of Fed member expects kind of terminal rates are going to be, and they take a look at over the next. Uh, three years. We like to focus on the next year, obviously, because going out kind of further than a year is a bit of a hit or miss in terms of projections. But uh, what we've seen is that, you know, with regards to those dot boxes, things are looking a little bit more hawkish with regards to what the Fed and the Fed members are thinking. So I think that's kind of what you're seeing from markets. And that's why you're seeing yields uh, react a a little bit violently actually here. But in terms of kind of, you know, looking beyond and a little bit of a a positive note here is, because again, this all ties back to inflation. So obviously inflation has has been continuing to running a little bit hot, uh, I shouldn't say a little bit hot, quite a bit hot, frankly. So that's what has market participants and the Fed a little bit concerned. That's why they've been a little bit more hawkish this year than kind of they were expecting. And frankly, the market was expecting coming into this year. But if you take a look at some inflation metrics, so you know, on the US side, the most recent print printed a little bit hotter than the market was expecting. But, you know, if you take a look at import and export costs in the United States, they have turned down. So there is a little bit of sign of some easing there. If you take a look at our side of the border up here in Canada, we posted a negative 0.3% month over month CPI print. So a little, so a little bit of positive, starting to see a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel from the inflation story. If you could tie it back into commodities. Commodities have been coming down just looking at broad based commodity indices. Uh, since June have been coming down, so there there are some s- hints of hope there on the inflation story. Uh, things are going to start to come back towards the two percent target, and obviously as that ties into the Fed and the BOC, ideally I think what the markets hoping and, and wishing is that we're we're likely closer to the top end of where rates are going to end up, and that perhaps this rate hike cycle uh, we might see an end to it sometime over the horizon.
1: go, good for bonds.
2: Exactly. We as we know, higher rates, lower prices. So what we're looking for now is is just for, for rates to take a pause at some point. I mean, if, you know, eventually the market is pricing a little bit of easing sometime. I think that's going to start to get pushed out a little bit now. But the market has priced in a little bit of easing down the line there. Obviously, easing would be quite, uh, quite good for fixed income. But, you know, just taking a look at where yields are currently sitting at right now, very attractive levels. Uh, so hopefully, uh, again, hopefully we're closer to the top than we are at the bottom for rates. And I think the market is expecting that. Uh, and I think that's kind of the base case.
1: How, okay, but it's just so interesting when you think of sort of, again, we're doing a lot of, you know, last decade, decade going forward, differences, and there is a little bit of a night and day effect there. But just to sort of hit home, the fact that bonds were not a place that people were, were interested in, because there just was nothing there, ultimately, on the income side of things. I mean, how different is the picture at the moment?
2: Well that's just it. I mean, if you rewind back to kind of last year, we were we were at kind of the lowest yields, the tightest credit spreads that we've seen in quite some time. Um, so in terms of the amount of juice you get out of the bond market, there wasn't a heck of a lot. Uh, from an income perspective, coupons were were historically low. So, so that so that narrative has shifted quite a bit this year. You know, yeah. the bad news obviously is portfolio's been getting hit because duration's been moving. But on the flip side, as we're starting to see, you know, new issues come to market, they're getting issued with higher coupons. So kind of the income outlook moving forward has certainly uh, ameliorated over this year, even, even if at uh, at the expense of a little bit of pain in our portfolios.
1: So, I mean, let, let's go to the portfolio construction, because it is, I mean, I think people are watching markets today. They've been watching for the last probably 72 hours what, what's been going on. And and the question is sort of where do you go right now? Like where does where is the balance found? And in the portfolio construction that you look at, that you, you know, sort of take leadership in, I mean, I'm assuming that bonds are looking like a bigger piece of that. Give us the bigger picture and the scope of what it looks like right now on a portfolio yeah. construction basis.
2: Yeah, so so we'll, we'll take a look at the fixed income side of things first. So, again, as I mentioned, yields are looking a lot more attractive now. Again, you know, if you take a look at, you know, the U.S. ag and, and take a look at where that's trading right now, so the U.S. aggregate bond index. You know yields at this level. We haven't reached yields at this level since 2018. Prior to that, it was 2009. We look at the global ag and the Canada ag. You know we haven't seen yields such as this since 2011. So you know from from a yield basis, things are quite attractive. Now, what clients you know get a little bit worried about is again this continued inflation story. What's the Fed going to do? What's the DOC going to do? Are we still going to get hurt a little bit on the duration? I'd say you know. Obviously, there's still quite a few more hikes priced into the market for both the POC and the Fed for the remainder of this year and a little bit into 2023 as well. So, so there obviously is some risk to duration going into year end. But also, when you take a step back and you think of a kind of a five year outlook, again, yields are good. You can get fixed income, you know, ETFs or fixed income funds somewhere around between six and 7%. So, again, that's quite attractive over a long term basis. That makes quite a lot of sense. you're a little bit hesitant, maybe you want to, you know, wait you know, a month or two until some of this fog clears in the market to get a little bit more direction. But again, fixed income and bonds generally look quite attractive right now. When we take a look at the equity side of the coin, yeah. just, just given that there's still tons, again, tons of uncertainty, whether that's economic, you know, there's mixed, mixed signals from the economy, whether or not, you know, are we going to get into a recession? Are we not? Is going to be soft landing? Is going to be hard landing? I think earnings coming up is going to be very, very important for the the equity outlook. But right now, just given how there's just so much uncertainty, I think number one, diversification is always the name of the game and is always going to be your friend in, in uncertain times. But we're, what we're looking at is we're looking at low volatility and quality in terms of factors. Just again, you know, when there's a lot of uncertainty or when there's potential downturns, those are kind of the factors that we gravitate towards.
1: Fantastic. Okay. So, so great to get some of your thoughts on that. Circling back to what you mentioned, actually, right out of the gate, so sort of the commodity story, we've seen, certainly seen oil prices re-rate, it looks like. Ultimately, though, the story in Europe is still happening. It's still very much alive. Is it possible that the energy story can be kind of contained to Europe with price energy, of course, in dollars? But I'm just kind of curious how you see ripple effects.
2: Yeah, so, so that's certainly a concern right now. I mean, if you, if you take a look at kind of nat gas prices in Europe, they, they've, they've still remained relatively high. I mean, anecdotally, you're seeing, you know, you know folks posting pictures of their uh, energy costs uh, in Europe, uh, whether that's the UK or mainland. Um, so so the, the consumers over there certainly are feeling the pinch. Obviously, this is, you know, entirely exacerbated by the Russo-Ukraine war. Obviously, the flow of gas from uh, Russia has effectively stopped going to europe so they're fe- feeling quite a pinch over there now again you know when you take a step back and you look at kind of north american prices they they haven't been getting hit quite as much i mean i think there exists that risk that potential that there will be potential spillovers we haven't seen it just yet so it obviously is a bit of a concern but again as i mentioned we are we are getting some positive news out of north american inflation prints right. just that it's possible you mean the canadian captured. one Yeah, the Canadian one specifically, but again, uh, tying it back to import and export prices in the United States, which they themselves have ticked down as well. Those particular metrics are nice to look at as well. They aren't hedonically adjusted like the CPI, so they kind of give you a very raw raw point of view of what inflation is doing. So that is a bit of uh, a bit of positivity there on the U.S. side of things. So I think it's going to be tough for Europe, though. I think Europe is going to have a tough winter, you know, from a geographic perspective. It might be an area to, to take another look at and, and have some caution with moving forward. Interesting
1: maybe at some point uh, a place to take a look at. Okay, really interesting. Let's put this to you now because you were addressing it a minute ago, Andre, how strongly are bonds and equities correlated right now? I mean, that is part of the story, isn't it? You know, And how ultimately do you want to kind of add that into the overall calculation of how you put them to work together in a portfolio?
2: Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, as we know, typically, you know, in equity market downturns, we, we their yeah, bonds rally a little bit. And we haven't really been seeing that this year, but this year has been kind of that perfect storm where kind of nothing's been working in your 60, 40. your equities are down, your fixed income's down. You know, obviously on the fixed income side, that has been predicated to- uh, towards the duration side of the coin, uh, credit's been a little bit wide this year as well. I think still, and, and this has been shown time and time again, when we do get those kind of recessionary environments and those economic downturns. You know, if you look at Canada, we haven't we haven't really got that economic downturn just yet in Canada. The United States, they did get that little technical recession uh, in Q1, Q2 there uh, with negative GDP growth. Uh, but again, so so the correlation. You know, probably isn't working quite as well right now as we're typically historically used to seeing. But again, if we do get a, a recessionary environment, we do get a double dip scenario in the U.S. Um, you know, where you know we do start to see you know layoffs. Um, that will be the scenario where you will see your duration perform. You, you, typically, you do see your duration perform well as you know, in a, in a recessionary scenario, the Fed won't be able to hike any further. The BOC won't be able to hike any further, and rates typically typically uh, head, head lower in those scenarios. And, and your fixed income works for you there.
1: So tell me your your particular thoughts, your opinion, and you know based on what you're looking at, on how inflation does come down. I mean, do, do you see it coming down very quickly? Do you see it coming down sort of at a steady pace and then getting stuck somewhere? What 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 do you think about the inflation story?
2: Yeah, I, I don't think it's going to be a, a super quick, uh, you know, straight to the bottom uh, as much as. I think everyone would love to see that. I think I think you're going to slowly see a trickle down towards the 2% inflation target. Now, again, the million-dollar question is is you know when are we going to see that? When are we going to get back towards 2%? I mean, I think I think it's still going to take a little bit of time to get down there. I think over the next you know uh, let's call it six months, I think is 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 kind of the time it's going to take to slowly head head down. Could take a little bit long because you think about how long it kind of took to hit peak inflation. It was, you know, it did take quite, quite, a, quite a while on the way up. Uh, I, I don't suspect it'll be a jagged, quick way on the way back down. I mean, I hope, I hope it does for for all of our sakes, uh, uh, but I, I don't see that happening overnight.
1: You mentioned diversification sort of as the best policy in in markets where there's lots of volatility. Make sure it's spread out. But but what does sort of maybe short term batten down the hatches, but look cautiously, optimistically, perhaps, to the future? What does that look like?
2: Yeah, and I think I alluded to it a little bit there with regards to kind of the the, the equity sleeves as well. Uh, you know, staying a little bit defensive right now just until we get through this fog. So again, you know, I think the the, the end of the year it's, is, is a high chance of probability we, we continue to see uh, continue to see volatility. And again, I mentioned earnings as well. I think there's even a lot of data points that you have to pay attention to. Again, earnings... Um, you know, it's gonna give us kind of an input into kind of what the economy is gonna look like in Q3, Q4. You know, on the fixed income side, obviously the big question mark there is what's the Fed gonna do, what's inflation gonna do? Um, that being said, on, on on the fixed income side, you're still getting tons of yields. So things are looking good there. I mean, if you're currently super short duration, I think it might be good to start to look at that. Uh, over the next couple of months, you know, as we get a little bit more clarity into the inflation story, as we get a little bit more clarity in in terms of what the Fed and the Bank of Canada are going to do, I think it's time to start to take a look at that, if not for kind of performing that insurance function in your portfolio, if we do get that equity market downturn. Again, on the equity side, pay attention to those earnings, pay attention to those retail sales, you know, if, if it does look like we're heading towards that recessionary uh, environment, again, those defensive stocks are going to be your friend on the equity side. And on the fixed income side, duration is going to start to become your friend in that scenario.
1: I mean, we're sort of not far off the June lows as we sit here. Um, we're We're kind of sitting there roughly. What then begins to look kind of attractive potentially on the equity side?
2: Yeah. So, again, it, it, it does come down to I think I think all eyes are still on the Fed right now, because obviously, you know, growth, growth hasn't been your friend this year. Obviously, in a rate hike cycle, those, those typically doesn't perform well for you. Um, I think, you know, in that scenario where we do get kind of a soft landing and potentially, you know, the, the, the economy doesn't get hit so well, we take a pause on the rate side of things. I think you might see uh, growth come back into favor in that scenario, uh, but on the flip side, as I said, you know, if 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 we're leaning toward, a little bit towards that hard landing scenario, and perhaps a double dip recession in the United States, perhaps a recession here in Canada, or possibly in Europe as well, then I think you're going to want to stick to your defensive names and again lengthen up your duration on your fixed income side.
1: Do you, do you think we're watching markets price in you know a higher inflation? print or, you know, how do you think that now that we've had this week, it's still going on, but I mean, now that we've sort of gotten through this piece, can you tell at this point how market players are lining up on sort of pricing in another big inflation print or not? What do you look at for that?
2: Yeah, so the main thing I'm looking at is, again, yields. So, um, okay. so again, you know, the, the inflation inflation is driving the Fed right now. And they're, they're very, you know, they're, they're very set on taming the inflation, taming down inflation. So, you know, when we did originally get that inflation print, uh, I believe it was a couple of weeks ago in the United States, we immediately saw yields respond. We immediately saw markets pricing another hike from the Fed. Um, so, again, I think that next inflation print and every inflation print moving forward is going to be super, super, super important. And what I would expect is if we continue to see inflation perhaps remain, even remain at these levels, if not kind of tick a little bit higher, you're going to continue to see more hikes priced into the market from the Fed. Again, the BOC got a little bit of a break. Uh, we did get that little bit of a cool down on a month over month basis. Um, so our yield curves have been a little bit uh, calmer than the U.S. one. But it's the same story in Canada. If we do see another hot print in Canada, uh, I would expect markets to start pricing in more. hikes.
1: What do you do with sort of the, the questions within a recession? whether there's a default cycle a lot of people say in the last recession because obviously we were flooded with liquidity we kind of skipped a default cycle in a way. what do you see on that front here and you know possibly how to invest it I mean what what is the high yield story here
2: yeah so 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 what I've been hearing from our, our high yield manager something that's been kind of pushed out is 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 the maturity wall so there was a lot of refinancing from high yield names who pushed out their maturities so kind of that debt wall got pushed out two or three years so in terms of you know this year and next year, I think the, you know, the default risks are a little bit muted relative to maybe historic norms. It's certainly something to be concerned about. And again, if you, if you still are in those high yield names, they may not default necessarily. But, you know, if we do get a recessionary environment, you will see credit spreads, you know, widen in the high yield names, of course. So from a capital depreciation perspective, you're going to feel that in your funds one way or another. But in terms of, you know, worrying about default, again, our high yield managers aren't super worried about that, given that those maturities have been pushed out several years.
1: Interesting. Okay. Fantastic. Um, thoughts on certain types of styles factors. You mentioned a couple of those. Value, quality. Do you want to just circle back?
2: Yeah, for sure. Again, you know, again, given given how much uncertainty it is, we do like those those quality names. Again, those quality names are those, you know, good cash flow, those higher earning companies. uh, and we're liking those right now. You know, we have seen earnings compress. You know that, that's typical of an inflationary environment. If you take a look at kind of earnings last uh, last quarter, so earnings weren't terrible, but once you stripped out kind of the energy names, the earnings story was was less rosy. Uh, so just that coupled with the uncertainty, we 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 are preferring again in this current environment still the quality names. Still, the low vol names at least until we can get a little bit more clarity on markets, whether that's you know what the Fed's going to do, what the economy is going to look like. So right now, just given how much uncertainty, as we prefer to be in, in kind of the uh, you know high quality area of the market and again, the low vol area.
1: Okay. Do you see perhaps uh, a prolonged period of stagflation? Many will say that we've already been in that for a little while. Um, it's, I don't know. What do you think?
2: Yeah, I mean, there's there's certainly an argument to made. Are we are we currently in a stagflation? Again, yeah, and we, we get we get the data months after things happen, right? So we, it's possible that we're currently in one of those. The thing is, though, is uh, what can really control inflation is a recession as well, as we know. There's a you know, precipitous drop in aggregate demand. Typically, that will uh, portend to lower prices as well. So I, I think one way or another, inflation is going to come down. I think what everyone's hoping is that, you know, you know, all these hikes that the Fed and the BOC have done over this year are slowly starting to make its way into the economy. And ideally, we see prices come down and we do get that bit of a soft landing. But there is also that risk that, you know, the Fed or the BOC hike us into a recession, Uh, in which case, again, as I mentioned, you'll see aggregate demand come down. And and typically that portends to uh, inflation following suit.
1: I mean, as a broad comment, uh, geopolitical issues are not often, well, sometimes markets don't mind. It's not It's often not great because it's uncertainty. It does seem from the Ukraine crisis, you know, obviously oil was kind of the outlet, the price of oil for that and gas prices. We've seen that come down. How do things globally look? Like, what would you say is sort of a global snapshot right now? Maybe even pointing to currencies. I don't know. But the geopolitical thoughts that you could share.
2: Yeah. So so I think, as you mentioned, markets... Typically don't uh, don't like uncertainty. So obviously there's tons of uncertainty with the use of Russo-Ukraine war. I think uh, Vladimir Putin had a fairly hawkish speech recently, hinting at you know the potential use of, of, of nuclear weapons. So obviously that's kind of your your extreme tail risk with regards to uh, uh, that geopolitical situation over there. Kind of tying it into currencies, um, if you take a look at currencies this year, the US dollar has been kind of a, the number one winner this year, certainly with regards to G10, certainly against their EM currency pairs as well. That's been kind of primarily a couple things. Uh, number one, obviously, the Fed has been hiking quite a bit, so that's obviously been helping the currency as well. Uh, a little bit of a safe haven bid as well uh, from the US dollar perspective, but again, yeah, Obviously, the Russo-Ukraine, or we don't, we don't like the uncertainty there. It's obviously a little bit more important for Europe, given that it's right in their own backyard. Uh, so, I, so I think that you know that conflict will continue to plague the Europeans uh, a lot more than us over here on the side of the pond.
1: Okay. Okay. Really, really great to get um, your thoughts on that. Ultimately. Do you think within the commodity story, there what is some of the nuance within it? I mean, oil, gas, it's it's a bit of a, a known unknown on some level. And we have seen it, in fact, as we said, come down in terms of prices across the the commodity spectrum, though. Is there anything that you find interesting that you want to point out?
2: Yeah, it's something that's been kind of interesting is taking a look at fertilizer prices. Um, so we've seen those kind of jump up. Pretty pretty aggressively uh, as of late as well. Uh, if you take a look at Europe, we've seen some some fertilizer companies shutter just because you know energy costs have been so high; it just hasn't been profitable for them to produce. So there's a little bit of concern in how how the trickle down will be uh, into agricultural markets. So as of, as of recently, we haven't seen kind of uh, the soft commodities. So you know, think grains, think your livestock. We haven't we haven't seen a, a rally in those recently. Like I said, they they have been kind of the whole commodity complex has been coming down uh, since around mid-June there. So it'll be interesting to see if we do see a trickle down effect there. You know, Generally speaking, I think there is some flexibility with farmers in terms of how much fertilizer they need to buy in. Typically, they stock up on this stuff and they don't necessarily buy you know, 100% of the fertilizer that they're going to use over the next year in that particular year. So it'll be interesting to keep an eye on that and see if there are any trickle down effects into the, uh, the commodity markets.
1: Yeah, fascinating. Okay, and I know that you spent a few years of your life sitting on a bond desk, is that right? I think you did. So I'm going to ask you about quantitative tightening.
2: Yeah, so that's the, so, so the question is, so the big question about quantitative tightening, is, uh, you know, how much are we going to get and how long are they going to continue this? So, you know, I was reading an interesting report this morning just to, in terms of, You know, overnight liquidity in funding markets. And, um, you know, some people smarter than me with regards to funding markets seem to believe that, you know, the the Fed should be able to continue their quantitative tightening into 2024. And the theory there is you're taking a look at kind of the, the Fed's reverse repo facility and how much money is just sloshing around the overnight markets. So there's still a ton of liquidity out there. So again, the thought is that, you know, at the current pace of quantitative tightening, they should be able to continue that. Um, and reduce some liquidity in the markets without affecting overnight funding rates.
1: Interesting. So that, I mean, that's fascinating because that is a a true unknown unknown. It's it's absolutely new, isn't it?
2: Absolutely. I think, you know, the the thing with quantitative tightening, I mean, remember the last time we did quantitative tightening? It didn't last uh, too, too long before we were... We we're back, so it'll be interesting to see uh, how long this lasts. And I think what's interesting as well is if we do, you know, for whatever reason, do get back into a recessionary environment, it'll be interesting to see if the Fed, you know, maintains the size of their balance sheet, expands the size of their balance sheet, or continues with quantitative tightening but lowering rates at the same time. So it'll it'll be interesting to see kind of what their strategy is there. If I was a betting man, I I, I don't expect. Yeah, I
1: was going to say, what do you to, think?
2: I don't. I wouldn't expect them to shrink the size of their balance sheet in a recessionary. It's, in my experience, the Fed and all central banks typically uh, tend on the side of, I'd rather a little bit more liquidity than not enough.
1: Create some cushion there somehow for ultimately the markets. Well, it's great to speak with you, Andre, and I'm really glad that uh, we were able to have this conversation. I hope you uh, wish you a good weekend ahead. All the best.
2: Same to you, Pamela. Thank you so much for having me and thank you everyone for joining us.
0: Thanks for listening to the Fidelity Connects podcast. If you haven't done so already, please subscribe to Fidelity Connects on your podcast platform of choice. And if you like what you're hearing, leave a review or a five-star rating. You can visit fidelity.ca for more information on future live webcasts, and don't forget to follow Fidelity Canada on Twitter. Thanks again, see you next time.